20 minutes starts now. Turn with me to the book of Galatians chapter 3, verse 7. And I'm not even going to wait for you because I ain't got time. Okay? Galatians chapter 3, verse 7. I have it up here. If this is too small for you, this is why we bring our own Bibles. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Galatians chapter 3, verses 7 through 9. Normally, we don't go through such a small section of Scripture. Normally, I would bring anywhere from 5 to 10 verses on a Sunday morning. But in in, in the interest of brevity, we want to uh, keep things a little shorter. One of the things I would recommend you do when you go home today, go to Galatians, read the whole book. Pastor Tony, a whole book of the Bible? Yes, it's six chapters. It's much shorter than an episode of Jeopardy. It's much shorter than an episode of American Idol. And I know you can make it through those things, okay? So chapter three started off with Paul telling the Galatian church uh, something like this. Oh, foolish Galatians. What has happened with the Galatians is the same thing that's happening with us today. We believe that religion will replace a walking, talking, loving, conversing relationship with Jesus. We approach him in religion, expecting him to respond. And we live our lives in such a way that is very religious without really knowing the risen Savior known as Jesus Christ. The Galatian church thought, hey, we will incorporate this message of Jesus with things like circumcision with things like worshiping on a specific day or at a specific time. We will worship in a specific place with specific people. You'll notice that Paul, Paul mentions the Gentiles. If you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile. And for the Jewish people to, to co-mingle with the Gentiles in the worship of the one true God, that blew their minds because of their religion, because of what they thought about the Gentiles. They considered us unclean. And Paul says that the scripture, that the Bible, the same Bible that we read, foretold that one day us Gentiles would be made clean by Jesus, the man-god, or the God-man. And see, what has happened with the Galatian church is that they've messed up the gospel. They've taken the pure, holy pristine message of the gospel that that we were sinners but god came and died in our place on the cross so that we may be reconciled to him not by our works but by his works not by but not by our sacrifice by his sacrifice they've taken that simple message that i have taken maybe six seconds to just tell you right now and they've just convoluted it tainted it and ruined it and when it comes to the gospel when you add to it you actually take from it Because the Bible's clear that that what Jesus has done on the cross is more than enough to reconcile God to man. And when you add to it, all that does is take away the power of the cross. God does not need our help. God does not need us to complete the plan. God is big and we are little. And God has done all things necessary through his son Jesus to reconcile us, to bring us back together. And here's what I see. 
And many of you, I don't even know you, but I know this. You are tired. You are hurting. You are crying. You are crying out to God, asking him, seeking him, but you're doing it in the wrong way. You are doing it in religion. You are doing it religiously, and that's doing nothing but wearing you out because you don't know when you've made it. You don't know when God finally says, I approve. Because a religion teaches you to keep doing and doing and doing. Keep making sacrifices. Keep lighting candles. Keep going to church. Keep, keep listening to this song. Keep watching this particular Christian television show. Keep reading this author. Read your Bible X amount of chapters or books a day or for time a day. Religion says keep doing stuff. God will finally approve you. God will finally look upon you and say, I approve you, my child. You finally have met the prerequisite. You filled the quota. Now I can love you. And the gospel comes and erases all of that and says, Jesus has done everything. You simply need to have faith in him and what he has done. See, that that lifts the burden of religion. That says, okay, Now, no matter what I do, I can't get any closer to God because I have faith in Jesus. And that brings me right next to him. That that removes my sin as I repent of my sin. The Bible tells us that while we're still sinners, that Christ died for us in Romans chapter 5, I believe. One of the truths you have to face today is that indeed, apart from Christ, you are a sinner. And I don't say that with... with, 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 with fire in my mouth. I don't say that with, with a vengeance. I don't say that uh, above you. I say this pleading with you. I need you to see this. Not because it's my truth. It's because of what the Bible has said. The Bible says that, that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God in Romans chapter three. All of us, I have sinned. You have sinned. We have sinned. We were born into sin and then we grew up and we sinned really well. Nobody taught us how to do it. Nobody gave us a class on how to sin. We just started walking and eventually we started sinning. If you've ever raised a child, you've seen a child lie to you when, when they've never been taught how to lie. You've watched them take things that aren't theirs when no one's taught them how to do that. The sin nature is ingrained. The Bible says our flesh is corrupted because of sin. Because of sin, we can't just fix ourselves. That's what religion says. Hey, fix yourself. And then you have tired, broken, heart-wrenched people who are already suffering, just suffering more for no reason. Church, if you find yourself in that place today, I invite you. I invite you to throw off those shackles of religion, to throw off the burden and the oppression of, of working for God's love and know today that God already loves you. You see, the Galatian church they were, they were seeking God. They weren't, they weren't learning about a different God. They weren't trying to do this outside of the church. They were within the church with bad doctrine and bad theology. And they thought they had it right. And the man who preached them the gospel originally, Paul, the apostle who wrote the book of Galatians, he's started this and now has come back and said, hey, what are you guys doing? Why are you changing the message? Why are you burdening the people? Why are you making the men get circumcised along with their faith. Why are you telling them without that, that God doesn't love them, that Jesus does not want them? And so he goes back and he literally wipes away everything that's been taught over the course of about 20 years. 
It goes back to the basics. It goes back to the gospel. If you've been going to church, I pray you go to a great church. If, if you have a home church, please keep continue going to your home church. Okay, we're not in the business of taking other people's church members. Okay, if you don't have a home church and you think you know stuff about Jesus that isn't lining up with what I'm saying today, you need to go back to the gospel message. You need to go back and read Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. You need to read about Jesus. You need to become reacquainted with him. If you have any hesitation about becoming a Christian, becoming a Christ follower, a person who gives your life to Jesus fully, but you have a hesitation out of fear, pride, anger, you've been hurt, something like that, I tell you, those things are not Jesus. If man has hurt you, do not blame Jesus for him. If, if man has coerced you and taught you bad doctrine, go back to Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes into the Father except through him. That's the gospel message. The Galatians, Paul, three times in three verses, talks about being of faith today. You must become a person of faith, okay? I am speaking to you as if you were people in a burning building imploring you to come out. I'm not, I'm not trying to preach down to you. I want you to hear this message as a rescue plea to bring you out of your old life and be born again in the spirit of Jesus Christ of faith. Know then that those who are of faith, some of you consider yourself of faith, but it's general and it's vague. It doesn't put its, you don't put your faith in anything or anyone. You just have faith. The world teaches you just to have faith, but the Bible teaches us to have faith in what Jesus has done. It doesn't even teach us to have faith in what we want. It says have faith in Jesus. If you need something, you go to Jesus, having faith in what he has done, that you can come to him and ask him for anything. Not, not, the, not have faith that I receive what I want. Have faith that Jesus is who he is. And I need you today, if you are a person of faith, but it's a vague general faith, it needs to become a specific faith today. It needs to become a faith that is resting upon Jesus. A faith that should Jesus move, you would collapse. That's how heavy you have laid yourself upon him. The good news is that Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you. It's one of the promises he's made to us. That the world might abandon us, and they probably already have for many of you. But that Jesus never will. Even in the darkest moments, Jesus is still there. His light shines brightest in those moments. His light shines brightest in those darkest places. It's where you find Jesus the quickest, is in those dark places, those places of hurt and bitterness and, and just mourning. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says that it is impossible to please God without faith. That those who want to please God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Church, I am inviting you not just to a life that says I'm a sinner. I'm inviting you to a life that says I'm a sinner, but my, my God is my Savior. Jesus is my Savior, and he has made me a child of God, and now he seeks to reward those who seek him. He is eager to reward you with things like the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit's a deposit before his second return. It's a promise to you to work through you, through his Holy Spirit, to do and to live a holy and pure life until the day you pass from here 
into eternity. You see, eternal life starts today. It doesn't start the day you die. It starts today. And I would invite you today to make that step, to, to, to act on faith in what Jesus has done. Your faith comes by hearing. We, we don't preach a lot of other books around here. We just don't. I don't have a lot of time to read. What little time I have, I, I spend here. We preach from here. The Bible says that faith comes through hearing. It comes through moments like this where the word of God is being preached and you are hearing it. And I apologize if, if you're not used to maybe louder preachers or louder sermons. Um, that's just sort of my style. I, I not necessarily apologizing to that for that, but I'm just telling you that's kind of how I am. But your faith comes through hearing the word of Christ or the gospel of Jesus or the good news of who he is. Earlier in the book of Galatians chapter 3, Paul said this, let me ask you only this, did you receive the spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, by works of the law or by hearing with faith? See, the Galatians, they kept working. I will earn what God has to give. I will earn what he has for me. And Paul reminds them, how did you get the Holy Spirit to begin with? By faith in Jesus. For many of you, the Holy Spirit is either A, mysterious, or B, he's been perverted, and he's been manipulated, and he's been changed, and he's been so mangled that you're afraid of him. And so you either, you either reject him because he's mysterious, or you reject him because people have given him a bad reputation. Here's what I want you to know. You need to go back to the truth. Rejecting for those ba- on those basis is just as bad as going the wrong way. Because the Holy Spirit has been given to us to do the things that God has called us to do. Many of you, I don't know if you guys saw this, many people walk right past it. On our marquee outside right out here, it says, love God, love others, or excuse me, love Jesus, love others, change the world. We believe that if you fulfill those first two commandments, if you live your life for those two, you will revolutionize the world. You will change your families. You will change your workplace. You will change your friends. You will change everything about you. Jesus is so radically transforming in that way. But that comes through hearing the gospel message. And many of you have heard about Jesus, but not heard the truth of Jesus. And so today I present to you Jesus. Where am I at? Ten minutes? Can I buy more time? No, actually, I'm going to close it up right here. So what do you do? Maybe you've heard the message today. Maybe it's been like a, a cannon in your face. You just you know something's going on and you got to do something. How do you respond? You need to res- the gospel demands a response. You cannot be passive towards the gospel. You either say yay or nay, you yes or no. I accept or I decline. I would pray today that you would accept the gospel message of Jesus Christ. What is the gospel message? Romans 5 and 8. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Before you've ever done anything, before you even got up this morning, Christ has already died for you and your sins. For many of you, if we were to sit down individually, because I wouldn't want to embarrass you in a crowd, and I ask you, what is the sin that you most struggle with? 
I wouldn't have to name off a bunch of stuff. You know what it is. It's, it's there. It haunts you. It, it bothers you. You know things have to change. Just you're powerless to do it. The Bible says while you were still in that struggle that Christ died for those sins. That God loved you so much that he gave his only begotten son. Romans 8 and 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Condemnation is a big churchy word. I'll admit it. If you go outside of these walls, we don't use the word condemnation very often. Unless it's something in the media where they're portraying the Christian church as a bunch of religious weirdos. Condemnation is like judgment hanging over somebody's head. Think of condemnation as a guillotine. And your head's in that guillotine. And that condemnation is that blade. For those who are in Christ Jesus, that is gone. For those who are of faith, that punishment, that judgment, that condemnation is gone. What you've done has been forgiven by Jesus. And you might still have to be reconciled to people, but God will help you with that as well. But the wrongs that you've committed, whether to yourself or to others, can be forgiven. The sins that have been done to you can be redeemed. The times where you've been taken advantage of, where you've been hurt, where someone has attacked you and you've been hurt by them, God can redeem that so that you can help others in that same place. The life that Jesus calls you to, he calls it life more abundant. It's not like life before. It totally changes. You go from, you go from being dead to being alive. Being born again of the Spirit. It's a brand new transformation. Not just more morals. Not just more rules. Not just more religion. It's a whole new life. So what do you do? Colossians 2 and 8. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy or empty deceit. According to human tradition. According to the eternal spirits of this world. Or the elemental spirits of this world rather. And not according, according to Christ, for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him, in Jesus. Your response is faith. Jesus, I give my life to you because you have bought me with the price of your blood. Jesus, I ask for your forgiveness for the things that I have done to myself and to others. I ask that you would redeem that which has been done to me. Romans 8 and 28 says that all things will be used for the good of those who love God. I'm paraphrasing, but you can write that down and look it up later. I invite you to follow Jesus today. I invite you to rededicate your life to Jesus today. If you're, if you're somebody who, yeah, I've done this. I did this years ago. I was at a church service. There was an altar call. I went up. They gave me a packet, and then I never went back to church. Or I was walking faithfully, and then I just stopped, and I can't seem to get back to church. 
This is your invitation to rededicate your life. If you've never done this, this is the invitation to be born again here and today. Stand with me this morning. Let's pray together, okay? In just a moment, we're going to sit down together. We're going to eat together. Kids are going to do some crafts. It's going to be a great opportunity to get to know one another. You can stay as long as you'd like. Um, And we're glad to have all of you here, whether you're home or a guest. But I want to invite you now. Let's pray. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads. Lord Jesus, today your gospel message has been preached that while we are still sinners, your son died for us. And I'm praying today, Lord, that for those who have never responded in faith to you, who have heard this invitation and never taken you up on it, I pray today would be that day. I pray, Lord, that, that as they seek you, they would repent of their sins, that you would be the one to identify the things that need to be repented of, that you would thwart, thwart the enemy who would come and, and bring religious burden and religious prerequisite and a checklist that says, do this, this, and this, and God will love you. I pray that against him and that they would find you a father with open arms waiting to embrace his wayward child, his prodigal child. Jesus, for those who are going to rededicate their lives today, I pray that today would be the mark of a new day, that you would rekindle that fire in their hearts that was once lit and now has seemed to just burn out. But Lord, may that fire be set on fire by your Holy Spirit to continue to go and to move and to serve and to love everybody and anybody who might come into their path, that you may continue to redeem their past and lay out their future. And Jesus, as we, the church, continue to grow and move and serve, help us to lift up the name of Jesus Christ high so that all men may be drawn into him with heads bowed and eyes closed. And I please, I would invite you to just have some, have some respect for people next to you right now. How many people, raise your hand if you did something today. Raise your hand if life has, is changing today. Close your eyes, keep your heads down. I'm the only one that has them open. It's a very private moment in public. Raise your hand today if today's the day you're giving your life to Jesus. Raise your hand if today's the day you're rededicating your life to Jesus. All right. Jesus, you see hands lifted up. You see people dedicating their lives to you. All I'm praying is that you would take them and lead them every day of their life, that they would feel your love and share your gospel at every opportunity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.